Hey, what's going on, Who That Nation? It is yours truly, TJ Jones. And yes, I am the host of the State of the Saints podcast. Thank you so much for checking out the State of the Saints podcast, where we talk New Orleans Saints. Shouts out to everybody in the chat. Shouts out to everybody listening around the country, around the world, wherever you are, wherever you may be. On this edition, we're going to be talking about uh, some of the starters that the Saints have lost uh, due to free agency. And how can the Saints bounce back from this, right? Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. I'm sorry. Okay, because I probably feel like a lot of you right now who probably have been on social media all last night and you had people trolling Saints fans and talking about, oh, the Saints – They've been in cap hell for I don't know how long. And now the chickens are going to come home to roost. How in the world are you guys going to replace the, the great defensive play of a Marcus Davenport? <laughs> the, the great defensive play of Shy Tuttle. Uh, the, the great play of David Ayamada. Like, how are you going to replace these guys? How in the world are you going to replace six sacks among three individuals. How are you going to do this? How are you going to do this? My goodness, it, it is about time the Saints finally get their comeuppance. In reality, people are telling on themselves. They're telling on themselves. Number one, you don't know nothing about New Orleans Saints football. Look, I, I'm so tired of people trying, desperately trying to make Saints fans care about what they think. For example, guys like Nick Wright who don't understand how the salary cap actually works. This guy is sitting on TV with a pinstripe suit looking like the first villain in a Batman movie. You know how like they always have like that first villain, not really threatening Batman, just get rid of him in the first five minutes. That's what Nick Wright looking like on TV right now. But you have guys like that who think they understand salary cap and Saints football, and you throw Davenport up in that thing? Like, you're trying to make Saints fans care because you say that they no longer have Marcus Davenport? Like, seriously, I like Marcus Davenport, and I hope that the guy gets his career back on track. But let's just call a spade a spade. If a tree falls in the woods and nobody is around to hear it, does it really make a sound? If Marcus Davenport leaves the New Orleans Saints and he's never on the field, do we actually really care? Like, seriously. I, I want this guy to resurrect his career, but let's just be honest. All right. And then Shy Tuttle, Shy Tuttle, what, like second, third, maybe, you know, when it comes to the rotation. And we're supposed to care about that. Now, if you want to talk about David Ayamada, now we talking. Okay. Caden Ellis, hey, you know what I'm saying? Caden Ellis had, you know, a couple good games, but let's just be real with that. Caden Ellis has been injured the majority of his career. That's the reason why we haven't seen much of Caden Ellis. I hope that he's, he's good for the Falcons, but I'm not losing sleep over none of these dudes that we just lost. The Saints have an issue when it comes to the interior, and they have for the last year and a half. The Saints at one time did not allow a 100-yard rusher in almost two years, if not two years. In two seasons, they didn't allow a 100-yard rusher. Last year, we had so many complaints about the interior. I think that it's about that time anyway. 
So if you want to go out here and pay Shy Tuttle 19.5, 13 million guarantee, if you want to go out here and pay Marcus Davenport one year for $13 million, and if you want to pay, you know, Caden Ellis, that's great. Great for those guys. Get paper, get money. But am I sitting up here upset at the Saints and upset with the organization because they allowed these guys to move on? In reality, we all had conversations probably here on this show, on Big Q's show, on Deuce Winham's show, on, you know, Ross Jackson's show, and complaining about, you know, what this guy's actually doing. You know, I can remember listening to Hoodie Jew people complaining about the interior. So here's the reality. Nobody cares. Like, seriously, nobody cares. If you are here today, if you're watching this right now, and complaining and whining and boo-hooing that Davenport is gone. Shot Tuttle is gone and acting as if these dudes was on the cusp of all pro stardom. Like, do something with yourself, right? And I, I don't want to talk football with you because anybody that's anybody understands that none of these guys are the direction that we want to see the Saints going in, okay? I am not interested. And watching Marcus Cole Motor Davenport go out there and attempt to bull rush his way to a half of a sack and making me upset and hoping and praying that this dude can finally get into double digits. Once again, my mom often used to say, when somebody shows you who they are, believe them. And what I've seen out of Marcus Davenport is a guy with a whole bunch of potential, but hasn't lived up to it. So let's go out here and try to find somebody that can live up to the potential. A guy that maybe that motor runs a little hot. I am tired of the cold motor boys, okay? I'm tired of the cold motor boys. I need defenders, edge rushers, tackles that have a high motor, all right? That's what we need right now. If the Saints want to get on the right track, they need some guys that's going to be able to get home. And I'm kind of tired of them taking bets and deals and and trying to compromise because these dudes were first-round picks. Think about this, man. You got Trey Hendrickson out there doing work for the Bengals, right? Wasn't a first-round pick. But if you want to be real, he's better than Marcus Davenport. But instead, you allowed him to go, and you took on a fifth-year option for Davenport, and he didn't even live up to it. Now, I am the first person to say Something about Davenport was not right. I don't know if he was going through something mentally. I don't know. But I'm just saying, like, something happened with this cat, all right? And um, I hope that he gets his his career on track because the Saints don't have time for it. And as far as Shai Tuttle, now, Shai Tuttle, he was decent, you know, pretty good in run support, get money. You know, Caden Ellis had a couple good games. You know, here and there, but not losing no sleep over this. I'm looking forward to what the Saints can actually bring. Can you get Kalaja Kansi? Can you get him out of Pittsburgh? Huh? Can you get uh Bowie out of Northwestern? Right? I mean, can you get Mozzie, you know, out of Michigan? Can you get like one of these guys that got the high motor? A guy that, that's not going to stop on a play. Guy that maybe has, I don't know, more than one pass rush move every now and then. All I'm saying is I'm not losing any sleep. And another thing, for all these division rivals that come to the State of the Saints podcast that infiltrate the chat, there is nothing 
I mean, absolutely nothing that any of you can tell me today. If you want to sit up here and criticize the Saints, talking about how the Saints do business, then this ain't the show for you because you all are building your teams on Saints football. You're actually pilfering talent from the New Orleans Saints to make your team better, especially the Falcons. Falcon fans have a way of trying to find their ways into the chat, laughing. How can you laugh at a situation like this? You cannot laugh, all right? If we are McDonald's and you're McDowell's, you, you are trying to take the Big Mac, you know what I'm saying, and make it the Big Mick. You're basically taking Saints talent. You took the Saints general manager, right, the assistant general manager, Terry Fotno. Now you got Caden Ellis. You had Tyler Davidson. You got David Ayamata. So all you guys are doing is just taking from the New Orleans Saints. So how in the world can anybody from a, the Falcons fan base say anything to the New Orleans Saints fans here today? You, I mean, honestly, you know, you're basically trying to replicate what the Saints are doing, including, I didn't even mention Ryan Nielsen. What are you all doing? You're basically looking at the New Orleans Saints and you're trying to mirror your organization after them. And it fought the Carolina Panthers. I mean, basically doing the same thing. I mean, come on, give me a freaking break. All I'm saying is you can't tell me nothing today because you're basically trying to turn your team into what the Saints have done. Defensively, you're trying to find that level of success the Saints have because you already know who has the best defense in the entire division. And if they can get it all together, we all know who have the best team in the division. So this ain't the show for you, Atlanta Falcon fans. This ain't the show for you, Carolina Panther fan. Tampa, if you want to try to come in, you can try. All right? I don't know how you can actually say anything because, quite frankly, I mean <laughs> – Tell us about the great quarterback player, Kyle Trask, that's coming to a field near us. I don't know. But all I'm saying is, if you think that somebody's going to be crying over Davenport, Shot Tuttle, I mean, maybe a little tears over Ayamata, but I think that the New Orleans Saints can bounce back. I don't know about y'all, but I ain't losing much sleep. I ain't losing much sleep. And Falcon fans, please. Please, this, this ain't the show. Come back tomorrow or the day after, you know, when we ain't talking about this and you, it ain't painstakingly obvious that y'all trying to be like the Saints. All right, now let's go ahead and read some of these comments. As y'all can see, I'm on my petty today because a lot of people have been emailing TJ Jones, uh, DMing me, laughing about, like, you, you want me to feel upset about a half of a sack. I mean, seriously. I mean, come on, give me a freaking break here. That's like you telling me that you ate the last little bit of my potato chips. Well, I'm already full off the few that I already had, okay? So if you want to make me feel some type of way because you ate the crumbs, fine. But I'm pretty full over here. Let's go ahead and go to Tragic. says, Davenport did have a finger amputated. We like to think that it would have no effect, but lose one of your fingers, then uh, start seeing how different things are. Tragic, I already, look, I already said this, and I've been saying it. I mean, it is clear that something was wrong with Marcus Davenport. I, I don't know if he was dealing with some level of anxiety or something like that. I'm pretty sure he was. He wasn't in the best of shape towards the latter, you know, parts of the season. Seemed like, you know, he was just out of sorts. It seemed like he was ready for the season to be over. I'm just saying with body language. Now, I could be wrong, and, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, you know, disrespect the dude or anything like that, but 
I kind of, you know, it, you can like see in some of the interviews that he did, you know, as the, as the season was going on, that something just clearly was not right. And I just hope that the guy gets it right. But all I'm saying is, as a saint, as a player, like serious, as a player, he left a lot to be desired. He did not live up to that number 14 pick that the Saints moved up and gave away a first-round pick the next year to acquire him, especially when you had an opportunity to get Lamar Jackson, right? That's always going to be the narrative, and that's always going to be the story behind Marcus Davenport. From now, then, now, and forever, he is going to be the guy that the Saints took when they could have gotten Lamar Jackson. And it's unfortunate, but that's what all that's what people are going to always remember him as, the guy that the Saints chose over Lamar Jackson. All right. And like I said, I hope that he goes to Minnesota. I hope the lights come on. Sometimes it, it takes a guy to leave one place and go to another place in order for them to like revamp and, you know, and, and find themselves. I mean, we've seen that with Akeem Hicks, right? We see Akeem Hicks lead the New Orleans Saints and become a really dominant interior uh, defensive tackle, right? He wasn't that when he was with the Saints. Yeah, you know, every now and then you'll see a sack here, a tackle for loss there, but he really put it together and, and, and got on a Pro Bowl trajectory. And Davenport is still young, so he still has an opportunity to resurrect his career. I'm hoping that he can get it together, and I'm hoping that, you know, he, he finds that level of success that we wanted him to find that can pay dividends for the Saints, but it didn't happen. And, um, you know, it's unfortunate, but I hope he gets it together. Exactly, TJ. We have Cam, Passigno, Demario, Warner, Matthew, Adebo, Lattimore, Taylor, May, et cetera, still elite defense. Look, you still have the core of your defense. You still have that. Now, you're going to need some help on the interior. At the in, in the interior, you need defensive tackles, okay? There, there's only like one defensive tackle on a team that's that's technically a tackle. Now, you can you got some guys that can play outside and in, guys like Peyton Turner, but technically for that particular position, you only have one guy. That is why I'm saying like people rolling their eyes and getting upset and trying to say this is a bad idea. All I'm saying is you get a guy like Calais Campbell, right? You get a guy like Chris Jones, right? You, you get one of these guys that's in free agency, those guys that are seasoned veterans, and you can combine them with a guy like Kalaja Kansi that can come in and, and be a mentor to these guys and also be able to give you a few snaps and, and, and some really good football. Like, it's not like these guys just fell off a cliff. Sometimes you need that good combination. So they need help on in, in, at the interior, in the interior, and they need help on the outside. So they need to be looking at edge rushers, and they definitely need to be looking at the interior in the first round. So I'm pretty sure that's probably the route that they're going to go. But we all know that these are the New Orleans Saints. And every now and then, you know, I remember a couple of years ago, we all thought they were going to pick cornerbacks. And we was like, oh, the, the Saints need to go after Greedy Williams or they need to go after, uh, you know, Grant Dolpit. They need, you know, they need to go after like some of these other guys, uh, Newsom out of Northwestern. And they ended up getting Cesar Ruiz uh, or somebody else. You know, it, like it, it's they, they do this quite often, which I can respect at the end of the day because they want to go with the best player they feel is possible. And, and for the most part, you know, it works out for them. But you have to be able to address the interior. 
You have to, man. You have to be able to stop the run. You cannot allow an offense to just go through your defense like Swiss cheese. So hopefully the New Orleans Saints can find some guys, right? You know, some, find some guys that can that can put it all together. I am an advocate, and I will continue to be an advocate of them getting a veteran to go alongside a rookie because I really feel like this is an opportunity. If you can get a guy like a, a, a Calais Campbell, a guy that's a leader, a guy that's well-respected, inside of your locker room with a young guy, if that guy has talent along with his mentorship, you probably can have something of an elite talent interior lineman. I'm telling you, man, like sometimes we, we look past those guys who can provide leadership. You know, sometimes like it may not be a guy that we look at as a household name or well-respected. In this case, Calais Campbell is. But sometimes you need that mentor to come in and make some noise and, and help that young player see the field the way that it needs to be seen. And, um, you know, I, I hope that that happens. The Cold Motor Boys. Thank you very much for the $2 says we tired of you too, TJ. Take the L. Well, look, I'm telling you, I'm tired of the cold motors, period. Okay. No more cold motors. No more guys that's out here that just, you know, just happy to be here. Like it, it's good to be happy to be here, but do something while you're here. That's all I'm saying, man. A lot of a lot of cold motors going on. You know what I'm saying? A lot of a lot of guys, motor ain't running too hot. And uh I think that's what the Saints need. They need some dogs that's gonna hunt. And this is an opportunity where they can go back to the drawing board and draft some guys, you know, that could be on your line for at least three to four years wreaking some havoc. Like bump all this project stuff where you just get guys and, you know, you're developing them and around year three, it finally comes together. But year four, they are for a big deal. Well, you only get one year of production. What happens after that? How about you get these guys early? And you work with them, and these guys that got a lot of promise, you get it out of them real fast, right? And it starts if a guy has a high motor. I'm going to continue to say this. You need defensive linemen who have high motors, guys that do not quit, guys that will continue to try to pursue the quarterback, guys that will impose their will on the offensive line regardless if they get home or not. They know every single snap. They about to get the best of that defensive lineman or the interior lineman. You need this. And I feel like that it has been an issue with the New Orleans Saints. You start off really, really slow, bunch of cold motors. It takes some time for them to warm up, right? Instead of them coming into week one, motor already running high. If we can get a bunch of Cam Jordans, we'll be all right, right? Cam Jordan motor never gets cold, ever. Right. I mean, you can say that sometimes he may not get to a quarterback at times, but one thing you will never see is Cam Jordan quitting on a play. I ain't never seen Cam Jordan quit on no plays. And that's what exactly what we need. We need some guys that, OK, you got me this time, but it don't matter because I'm coming back at you once again. And if you get that, then you'll be OK. Enough of these cold motors, folks. That's the word of the day. Cold motors. All right. That's that's the words of the day. Cold motors. We don't need that. Aaron, thank you very much for the two dollars says. What did you think about Zadarius Smith trade? Well, look, I think that it just wasn't a good fit for Zadarius Smith. It, it just wasn't. He, I don't think he was too happy about being in Minnesota. I, I think that, um, you know, it's money. It's a business, right? You know, like you going to a team that gives you the best, you know, puts you in the best position to be able to take care of your family. But I just don't think that he was 
totally happy being there. But hopefully, you know, this, you know, hope, hopefully, you know, like he finds a finds a home. I don't know if he found a home yet or not. Um, upon like, you know, looking, I mean, checking out this podcast or doing this podcast, I haven't heard anything. I heard about him leaving Minnesota. So I, I don't know. Um, but if he finds somewhere, uh, if he has found somewhere, you know, I hope that it works out for him because he, he's a really he's a really good, uh, talented uh, player. Uh, let's see. Hold on one second. Apologize for that. Uh, it says need some dogs on the defensive line. I agree with that. I will. I will agree with that. Uh, let's see. You know, I hold you in the highest esteem, Jerry. It says uh, cold motor comes from the top. Is for that guy uh, to get the D line going. Uh, let's see. Uh, LOL. Hopefully they stay away from signing anybody over the age of thirty. No offense. Team needs to get younger and needs to get players uh, in or entering their prime. Well, look, I don't believe that because here's the thing. If a guy is over the age of 30 and he can still provide something for the team. I mean, we've seen this before, like um, Jari Evans, you know, coming back to the New Orleans Saints. He was over the age of 30. We've we seen guys come in and provide a spark. I mean, um, Ted Ginn Jr. was another one, right? Ted Ginn Jr. was over the age of 30, still came back in and provided a spark for the New Orleans Saints. So it, it's about the right guy in the right situation. Right. That, that's what you actually need. And, you know, like I said, Calais Campbell provides that he provides leadership. He still has something that he can bring to the table. And um, I think that that's what you need. You know, I think that we we follow the principles of what the NFL tells us. Right. When a, a running back gets close to the age of 30 or at the age of 30, it's time to let him go. Uh, if a defensive end gets at the it becomes 30 years old, it's time to let him go. That's kind of like the principles and the rules, quote unquote, that we try to follow when we are, you know, thinking about, you know, some of the, the things the team needs to do. Or if we feel like something is wrong, how we can fix it, we always go to that. But sometimes guys can win that battle of attrition and still have something to offer. And if they they may not be the same player they were in their 20s, understandably so, if you've been in the league 11, 12 years, that's a lot of wear and tear on your body. It is also provides a lot of experience and it gives you, you know, it, it gives you more intel. And, and that intel can be given to a younger guy. If you have a bunch of young guys on your team at a certain position, I mean, who is going to tell what who? And you're really going to have to rely on the coaching staff. But anybody will tell you or any of these players will tell you, a lot of these veteran players are the ones that police the locker room. They're the ones that's holding these young guys accountable. They're the ones that's be able to get in these young guys' faces and say, hey, you know, hey, man, you need to work on this. I noticed this on film. You know I mean, you had them, but you could have did this instead. You did this. You need that, right? So sometimes it's good to have that veteran leadership on your team. And it may not come in double-digit sacks, but at the same time, that, that it may not come in double-digit sacks, but the intel and the information that they can give to that young player can be equivalent to that because that young player is probably going to play at a higher level. And you can also can that young that older player can still contribute and still make plays 
you know, and probably not as often as the, the younger guy, because probably the younger guy is probably going to get more reps. But still, it is, it, it is a gift that continues to give in the right circumstances. Now, I'm not saying that if a guy's old and washed and can't play no more, then all of a sudden, like, let's just bring him on the team for his for his mentorship. You know, like, no, no, no. You you got to still have something to bring to the table. Calais Campbell had five and a half sacks last season, okay, at the age of 36 years old from the interior position. You still have a guy who still has something left in the tank, and if he still wants to play, he can still play, and he can also provide leadership to a young guy. That's all I'm saying. You need that. Uh, I forget how good Ginn was for two years. Exactly. I mean, look, we forgot about Ted Ginn, but Ted Ginn was in his, his, I mean, early 30s, mid-30s almost when he left the Saints. I mean, come on, man. We would not be talking about the controversial pass interference call if it wasn't for Ted Ginn. That deep pass down the field that Drew Brees threw to him, Ted Ginn came down with the football, right? That was a big play. You know, that was a big play on a crucial down. If it wasn't for Ted Ginn, we wouldn't be in that situation. So sometimes, you know, those 30-year-old guys can come in handy, can't they? Can't always just live by the principles and the rules that are put in place. Oh, this guy is 30. He can't, he ain't got it no more. Sometimes they do. And sometimes they can still make those plays when when necessary. Vikings media is sounding very unhappy about the Davenport signing. Well, look, I can understand why they feel the way that they do, but it's, it, I find it ironic that the one half sack that Davenport had end up coming against the Vikings. I don't know. Maybe they didn't watch. <laughs> That's the only game that they saw. The Davenport, I don't know. And then also, you got to keep this in mind, too. Davenport probably had one of his best games as an NFL pro against the Minnesota Vikings. A couple of years ago, week eight, it was the game where, I mean, he was basically just destroying Kirk Cousins, right? Kirk Cousins basically couldn't do nothing. And that was the game where he ended up having a Liz Frank injury and being out for the majority of the season, right? But that game, most of the games that he plays, he, he's pretty dominant against the Minnesota Vikings. So maybe they had that tape. Maybe they had the tape in London, and they put that together and said, man, I think we got something here. I don't know. Maybe they didn't watch the rest of it, or maybe they, uh, just, they just feel like they got the coaches in place to let him live up to that potential. But I don't know what it is, but – you know, $13 million is what he's guaranteed for one year. I mean, it's kind of like a prove-it deal. So, I mean, it's not the worst thing in the world. It's not like a three- or four-year deal that you're that you're committing to this guy. It's just a one-year deal. If it don't work out, you cut your losses and, you know, you, you go about your business and find somebody else. Whoa, now I've been listening but driving. TJ, are people really tripping about Tuttle and Davenport? Man, please, I'm optimistic about the draft. You got a lot of people that are just – they just whiners, like seriously. Like they have a lot of whiners in the Who That Nation. Now, if I'm not talking about you, once again, I'm not talking about you. But some people just whine about everything. Like it can, like the Saints can end up signing Patrick Mahomes, and you still gonna have somebody whining and complaining about something. Like the Saints are in a better situation right now at the quarterback position that they've been in a while. Rather, people want to believe it or not. If you want to talk yourself out of the situation, fine. If you don't like the guy, fine. If you're listening to what the talking heads are saying and convincing yourself that he's not it, fine. But all I'm saying is, excuse me, because I've been watching Trevor Simeon and Andy Dalton play quarterback for the Saints 
in a two-year span. And maybe I'm just a little bit more optimistic that Derek Carr has something more to offer than those guys right there. All right? So at the end of the day, I'm not just going to sit up here and complain about every little thing, especially if it's something that we've been complaining about in the first place. We've been complaining about the interior, but you still have people whining about Shy Tuttle. You still got people talking about what Davenport and oh the Saints losing this, that, and the third. But TJ, uh, I mean, we, let's open up the phone lines. Let's let's talk a little bit about the interior and how the Philadelphia Eagles ran through them. Let's talk about how the the uh, Arizona Cardinals ran through them. All right, let's talk about that. These guys need to go. That guy need to go. That guy need to go. Him and him need to go. And then all of a sudden, when the guys leave, man, what the Saints doing? What they trying to do? They, man, you had something there. Like, you ain't had nothing. You ain't have nothing. Seriously, it's time to move on. And I, I just don't understand, like, the angle. Like, I, can, I get being upset at times when things aren't going a certain way. If you feel like the, the Saints can go in a different direction, I can understand that. But when they go into a different direction and they attempt to make an upgrade, that's a good thing. But whining and complaining and boo-hooing and all this stuff right here, like, man, give me a freaking break. Like, it's, man, especially, like, I feel, like if there was a conversation that we didn't have and, and we weren't concerned about the positions, then I'd be like, okay, cool. Well, you know what I'm saying? I can understand you being frustrated. But we have been having these conversations about the quarterback. We've had conversations about the interior. We've had conversations even about the linebacker play from time to time. So I'm not mad or I'm not getting myself all upset about stuff that cannot be controlled, and especially if it's go- if it, it represents them going in a new direction. So I, I don't know, man. A lot of whiners out here, a lot of whiners and boo-hooers out here. Not like I said, wherever you fall, that's where you fall. If I'm not, if you don't consider yourself a whiner, I'm not talking about you. But some some people out here, they they are whining way too much. And uh, that, that's nah. TJ just joined the show, but Jameis Winston must have the worst agent in the NFL. I don't know if he has the worst agent in the NFL more so than him, you know, having a market. You know, maybe that that has, you know, that plays a role. That probably plays a huge role in the decision that he made. Or heck, maybe the guy just wants to be in New Orleans. Like you don't know. Like you have to understand the situation. You got. Las Vegas, who just signed Jimmy Garoppolo, more than likely going to get a quarterback. Uh, you got the Colts, who more than likely going to draft yourself a quarterback. You got the Houston Texans, that more than likely going to draft a quarterback. You got the Pittsburgh Steelers, who you probably could have went to. But Kenny Pickett, they're going to try to commit to him because he's going into his second season. You got the, the Miami Dolphins, who just acquired Mike White, who I feel like, in the right circumstances, might end up being a pretty decent quarterback. Uh, Trey Lance is still out there in San Francisco. I mean, he was a first, you know, I mean, he was a first round pick picked in the top five. So they're probably going to be able to, you know, to do something with him. And if that don't work out, we already seen Brock Purdy win seven games in a row. So where's the market? Where's the market for him? Like you can go there and try to compete. But if you got a younger guy and that a, a new GM or a GM has committed to, none of these guys want to admit that they're wrong. Seriously, they, they want to make sure that's the last resort. So if you got a guy and it didn't pan out in the first year, you're going to try to make this thing work before you try to go elsewhere, unless you're, you know, New York. I mean, but those those media individuals are sharks, 
right? They they if they smell blood in the water, they're going to pounce. Okay, there, there's a lot of jaws in that water, and um, I, I just think that you know a lot of teams aren't willing to just give up that that quickly. So he can go to a team and compete, but it can be the same circumstances, right? You can go and compete in Miami, but you might get beat out. Or they might, you know, find some favoritism because we don't want to give up on Tua just right now. Or we just signed Mike White to this deal. So where are you going to go? So it may not have been the right situation. Like, where's the starting job? Like, where where is the starting job that you feel like is out there right now? If, if you look at it, if you're getting picked in the top five and you're going quarterback, more than likely, you're going to start. And you're going to go through those growing pains. So where the question would be, where's the market? I don't think it has anything to do with his age. I mean, you can be content and just say, okay, you know what I'm saying? I'm going to stay right here. Or you can go out there and compete and you can still be a backup. So, and at the end of the day, I don't care what anybody says. And I've seen people making little comments, but he's the best backup quarterback in the NFL to me. To me, he's the best backup quarterback. People want to throw in Jacoby Brissett. Winston is better than Jacoby Brissett. Brock Purdy, you're going to dub him the best backup quarterback after seven games? None of those guys threw for 5,000 yards. None of those guys, you know what I'm saying, threw for over 100 touchdowns. None of those guys facilitated more four-quarter comebacks. So how is it that any one of those guys can be better than him? If you want to convince yourself, fine. But the Saints, to me, have the best backup quarterback in Jameis Winston than the entire NFL because not many backup quarterbacks can go out there and play in a 17-game season and you can be content at this guy actually winning you football games. And also, let's talk about this. How many of those guys that people dub, oh, he's a better backup quarterback than Jameis Winston? Well, riddle me this. How many of those guys that are backup quarterbacks can win or make mediocre or below average wide receivers look like they know what they're doing? Jameis Winston had Deontay Harris or Hardy. He had him at one time in the top five in receiving yards, right? Before this injury, right, when you when he went five and two as a starter, I don't know a lot of people don't remember this, but you had one of the shortest guys in the NFL, one of the smallest guys in the NFL in the top five, when it come, and he was number one when it came to deep passes down the field. You had Traquan Smith going over 100 yards. You had Chris Olave almost had 200 yards in receiving in the game, and if he probably would have caught a pass or two, he would have went over 200 yards. He had Callaway out here looking like he was Odell Beckham Jr., he had Jawan Johnson going touchdowns week after week. So which one of those guys? Now, you can say Brock Purdy. You can throw Brock Purdy out there. Brock Purdy in a game versus Seattle, I mean, honestly, this man was throwing five-yard passes down the field to Debo Samuels, and Debo Samuels turned that thing into 40 yards. He threw a five-yard pass to Chris McCaffrey, turned to 61. He threw a, a seven-yard pass to George Kittle, and he turned that into about 40. So you can look at the talent. That, that's put around him, Jacoby Brissett. I mean, if I have Mari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones, I think I'll be doing something too. And then I got uh, Chubb and I got Kareem Hunt coming out the backfield. So if you're going to evaluate these guys and say, oh man, they, they're better than him, name another wide receiver. I mean, name another quarterback with that type of talent around them still made them boys look formidable. 
and then we can have a conversation. That guy's the best backup quarterback in the NFL. The Saints couldn't have a better, uh, couldn't have a better, uh, you know, player as far as you know. If you're evaluating backups, they got the best. Argue with yourself, Norman. Uh, you were warned more than once. Take your lumps and be better next time. Uh, breaking uh, the Saints and Michael Thomas have agreed to a new one-year deal worth up to fifteen million that will keep him in New Orleans for the twenty twenty-three season. Well, if that's the case, that's a good thing. Uh, we all love Michael Thomas. We like the fact that, you know, he get to, you know, stay and, you know, he'll be a little bit on a prove it deal. And I'm actually tweeting that. right. I'm trying to look that up right now so I can confirm that. No disrespect. We, we always got to we got we got to dot our eyes and we got to cross our T's here. OK, so we got this according to New Orleans diet football. The New Orleans Saints are expected to retain star wide receiver Michael Thomas on an incentive later one year deal. OK. So we also got Ian Rappaport said the Saints are expected to retain wide receiver Michael Thomas on an incentive later one-year deal to keep him in New Orleans. So Michael Thomas will remain in New Orleans, according to New Orleans.Football and uh, NFL's uh, Ian Rappaport. All right, so that's a good thing. You find, you know, but I still feel the New Orleans Saints need to add themselves another wide receiver to the room. Okay, better be safe than sorry. Uh, PC is a passive play caller. Having he'll run is a stretch for him. Well, look, you got to find ways to to you got to find ways to get Taysom Hill involved because the guy is a a matchup problem and he can he can generate all different type of problems for the defenses. So hopefully, Pete Carmichael, I don't know, can burn the midnight oil, come up with some plays, or maybe make a phone call or two, bring in a guy that can actually help him as a consultant or something. But man, you you can't have these talented guys on the field and not be able to utilize them. The season is not too short. They're uh, putting a lot on their bodies to make it longer. Injuries kill Winston, period. Jameis Winston evaluated uh, or elevated Saints receiving corp in 2021. That's what I'm saying. Like, I mean, come on, man. Deontay Hardy, Marquez Calloway, like, man, none of those guys are like, and like they not even number one and number two receivers in, in most on most teams. And this guy had these boys out here looking like they knew what they was doing. So I mean, come on, let's, let's, let's just keep it a buck. Uh, you are right. I'm just being selfish. I hate the season is over. Uh, TJ, everyone just needs to get a, uh, a broad uh, stance or with our team, uh, let the saints build what they think is the uh, saints team. Uh, see how training camp goes, preseason goes, and see what the team is going to look like. They built a team that can win the NFC South with a healthy offense, especially uh, its defense stays healthy and good. I agree with that, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I'm not – it's hard for me. I, I can't be pessimistic about something I haven't seen. Now, if if it don't pan out, then y'all already know. Y'all already know what the show going to be like. But I'd rather reserve my judgment till I actually see it. I, I mean, I can't, like – expect the worst i mean why you know what i'm saying like are you expecting the worst because if it if it happens it, it just softens the blow not for me like i can sit up here and talk about it and, and complain about what they have they, they don't have and they could get better at this that and the third but at the end of the day like it's not gonna soften the blow because i'm still a fan at the end of the day i still love this team and i want them to do well and if they don't do well i'm still gonna be just as disappointed as me saying the things that I, you know, that I could say, but I'd rather reserve my judgment. And that's what my advice to, would be to 
Saints fans everywhere. Just reserve your judgment. Like, it may not be as bad as you think. And if it ends up being that way, then it is what it is. But I'm, I'm expecting better results than last year. TJ, what you think about Winston staying? Um, well, it's a shock, you know, to be honest. You know, I, I thought that maybe, you know, he would try to go somewhere else. But I think it kind of closes the door on a lot of thoughts and feelings that we may have. Like, was he really that upset? Was there like some type of rift between him and and Dennis Allen? I mean, if it was, then why would he stay, right? You would go anywhere if, if that's the case, like just to get out of New Orleans. So whatever happened, it seemed like they, they reached a, a level of understanding and um, Jameis wants to be with the New Orleans Saints. I mean, it, it's just that simple. Like, do I feel like Jameis Winston can be a starter? Yes, I do. Do I feel like Jameis Winston uh, is a backup who could easily, you know what I'm saying, be be thrust into the lineup and the Saints can be successful? Yes, I do. But, you know, if he does stay with New Orleans, and he is, I'm glad that he is staying because if something was to happen to Derek Carr, I mean, Derek Carr has been winning a battle of attrition for the last nine seasons going into his 10th. So if something was to happen, at least we know that we got a solid, really good backup quarterback that can be a starter. So there, there's that. So I'm happy in that regard, but I still stand by what I said, still stand by how I feel. I think that Jameis Winston indeed needs to get an opportunity to fairly, uh, you know, compete for a starting job. And if he gets it, he gets it. And if it doesn't pan out, then I think we can all just say that it was the, the career that never was. But I, I still feel like, you know, he still has something to offer. And I can I can guarantee you this. Uh, Jameis Winston, in his mind, is not a backup, and he's going to push Derek Carr to the absolute limit. So Derek Carr better be prepared because Jameis, like a lot of people feel, and I've heard this. I've heard this from people behind the scenes. I've heard this from people that's that's out here in, in, in social media land that they feel that Jameis Winston is better than Derek Carr, and there better not be one little inkling that that theory is true because we all know that the best quarterback on the team is the backup quarterback, especially if the starting quarterback isn't everything that you think he's going to be or should be. Uh, TJ, what round do you think we should go after a wide receiver in the draft or do we get uh, one out of free agency? Look, based on these these reoccurring, well, not reoccurring, these, uh, well, the, these uh, events that just took taking place with Michael Thomas, um, I think that you probably can get a guy maybe in the fourth or the fifth round. But I do feel like you need to go out here and get yourself a veteran wide receiver. A guy that I'm lobbying for is Adam Thielen. I don't know what the market is for Adam Thielen. I got to look it up. But if you can get Adam Thielen, I'm taking Adam Thielen, okay? Adam Thielen had, what, 700 yards, receiving six touchdowns last season. So he still has something left, okay? I like Adam Thielen. You put him with Michael Thomas. You put him with Chris Olave, and, and, you know, he can be that guy that we thought that Jarvis Landry was going to be for the Saints. And then you add a guy that's a possession guy, like a Bryce Ford Wheaton, or like a guy like Jonathan Mingo. You get one of those guys to come in and play that other wide receiver, right? And it also can serve as an insurance policy. Because if something was to happen to Michael Thomas again, which history has shown, no disrespect, Mike, if you're watching this, 
but history has shown that he hasn't been available, right? And also, you know, I like Adam Thielen a lot, you know, but there are times where, you know, that hamstring can act up a little bit. Don't really take him out of the lineup as often, but he's still out there beasting. But you still can have yourself another young guy that comes in. So that way you'll have Michael Thomas, Adam Thielen, Chris Olave. Um, you also have Rashid Shaheed and another young guy that can come in that can give you something, you know, if, if somebody was to go down or if, you know, you need a little bit more of a 50-50 ball guy in the red zone, he's right there, right? But I'm not looking for, the, for it in the first round. I'm not looking for it in the second round. It's going to be maybe like the third or the fourth round, right? Because when you start getting guys in the first and the second round, it's kind of like an indication that that guy is more than likely going to be your starter, right? And you got to find, you know, ways to try to get them into the lineup. So maybe like, you know, third, for even a fifth round right this this is a deep draft for the wide receiver position and the, the the mode and the fit that the new orleans saints need um they have a lot of those guys that's there and they're going to be there pretty late and if you can get a guy like bryce, bryce ford wheaton who's still a little raw you know um he he's really good the one thing about bryce ford wheaton i feel like would be good right away is his body control like if you throw a ball to him, you know what I'm saying, that's in close proximity, a 50-50 ball, more than likely he's going to come down with it. He has a lot of speed. He runs like a 4-3, close to a 4-4. But one thing about him that bothers me and something he's probably going to have to work on uh, is, is some of those simplistic catches. Like sometimes like he he catches the difficult catches, but the simplistic catches he struggles with. It's kind of like with Callaway, right? And um, it's like a mixed bag, but – one thing about Whedon, I don't know what it is. When it he he has that, he has some Dez Bryant in him. He has some Dez Bryant in him when it comes to like when you put the ball in there, he's gonna come down with it. Uh he has a good vertical. And um, like I said, he ha- he has good body control. And uh that that's that is a plus if you in a, a possession receiver. Everything else you can kind of work with him in. And you know, if he can also do some damage if you line him up in the slot, you know. He had, he had some coasting qualities about him, too. I don't know if y'all ever watched him, but he's faster than coasting. His body reminds me of Marcus Coasting. Um, and the way that he attacks the football reminds me of Marcus Coasting. Now, you ain't really see Marcus Coasting too much of a vertical threat, right? You've seen him, like, really catching him, you know, in between the numbers most most times. And and definitely, like, when you need to fit it through a tight window, you know Marcus Coasting coming down with the football, right? I mean, we how many back shoulder catches and – and back, back in the end zone catches, we've seen Colston make, right? And then point up to that sky, you know what I'm saying? Like like he just didn't make like one of the best plays of the week. Love Marcus Colston. No disrespect to Peyton Turner, but keep him a hope uh, and plan in place for him. Uh, he's been uh, <laughs> check cashing, but no real help at availability health issue yearly. I agree with that. Here's something I think the Saints need to get away from, right? Get away from this guy has potential and not looking at the fact that this guy has had an injury history. Davenport, Turner, these guys have had injury history throughout, you know what I'm saying, throughout their collegiate career. Not the smartest man in the world, but if a guy get hurt in college, chances are they're probably going to get hurt in the pros, right? That's just the way that it goes. It just doesn't just go away automatically like i'm here i'm in the nfl so now i can stop being hurt maybe look at some of the guys that 
you know, you see on TV, that you see on big stages, and if they just so happen to be available, how about, you know, turning a card in and drafting them? Well, I mean, who knows? You might even get some double-digit sacks. And maybe they will spend more time on the field than they do in the rehabilitation part of the facility. I don't know. I don't know about y'all, but that, that may work. It may work. I don't know. Get the guy from Ohio State or Michigan or, or some of these other schools, LSU or Georgia. How about, how about getting these guys, right? How about getting some of these guys who are really good and co on collegiate level that's never heard, that's leaders, instead of messing around with people that came from uh, Utah Tech and, and uh, you know, Boise, Boise CC and, you know, uh, North Salem University, you know, like, come on, man. Like, what are we doing? Like, you got to look first. You got to look at a map to see where the school is located. Then you got to find out who the guy is. Like, come on, man. Like, how about finding some guys that that, you know, for a fact, that is an easy read. It's OK to draft the easy read guy sometimes. Sometimes it, it, you don't have to look like the smartest guy in the room. Like, I discovered this guy. Right. Everybody ain't got to be Christopher Columbus. Why you got to be Christopher Columbus every year? I discovered this. I discovered that. I explored this. I explored that. How about just basically just taking an easy route sometimes, all right? Sometimes, you know, it's 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 easy just to roll down the street in the car. You ain't got to make the, the corner and go around and take the long way around. Like, just, just go up the street. Just, just go up the street. That, that's all you need to do sometimes. Like, how about making it easy? A lot, of, a, lot of, a lot of difficult decisions, in my opinion. Like, oh, look at him. Look what we found. He's he's like, I feel like <laughs> I feel like the Saints are like Vince McMahon at one time. You know, like Vince McMahon liked the up the muscular tall guys, right? Oh, look at him. He's big. He's he's fit. I can I can see him with the title. Like, man, come on, man. Like, guy ain't gotta be six seven. If he's six three, two forty, and he attacking a quarterback and he getting double digit sacks all in college and nobody can do nothing with him. If he's, you know, one-on-one -on -one, double covered and you still can't do nothing with him. Chances are the dude is a beast. All right. Chances are the dude a beast, right? Like we ain't got to keep on looking for the Vince McMahon uh, giant. We ain't got to keep on looking for Andre the giant and Omos and whatnot. Uh, let's see. Uh, they need to uh, stop drafting injury prone defensive ends. How about injury prone players in general? Oh, he was real good until he got hurt. But we know he, he could be a first-round pick. Well, he's not because he's always hurt. I think Jawan Johnson will have a big year. I think he will be the X factor to the offense. He has Antonio Gates' ability. No, he don't. <laughs> uh, no, he don't. Look, I would look. I would say more Shannon Sharp than Antonio Gates. Like, if I – okay, if – let me let me break this thing down. All right. Jawan Johnson is a really good pass catching tight end, but he's a below average blocker. He's better than he was when he first got the position. He's he's good enough to be in a game, right? He, he can block good enough to be in a game where he's not a lie, liability, right? But he's more Shannon Sharp than he is Antonio Gates. If you're looking at a guy that could be like a Antonio Gates type, you're probably looking at a guy like Hunter Henry, um, you know, um, trying to still look around. George Kittle wouldn't fit that mode. He, he's he's a little bit different. But I, I wouldn't put him in that category. I'd say more like Shannon Sharp, 
like heck, you know what I'm saying? Like more like, you know what I'm saying? A little bit like Jimmy Graham, you know, like Jimmy Graham was horrible at blocking, you know what I'm saying? But was a really good pass catcher, you know? So I, I wouldn't put him there. I say more Shannon Sharp. I would say more Shannon Sharp than, um, than Antonio Gates. Yeah. I, I would say that like, I, I got, man, I don't like, to be honest, I don't really see too many guys like Antonio Gates. Like I don't, I see, I see Gronks. Um, I, I, I mean, I, I see some guys like that, you know what I'm saying? But I, I don't really see too many, like Antonio Gates, Tony Gonzalez. Like I ain't, I don't, I don't really see too many of them guys, man. Those guys were like freaks, like above average blockers, um, really good pass catchers. Um, like it, it mm-hmm. it's hard to find some of those guys, man. The athletic ability that they had, my goodness. So yeah, I, I would say more like Shannon Sharp than than Antonio Gates. Uh, we lost a few starters on defense, and for the first time, I'm not even concerned. Davenport and Peyton Turner, especially. There were times they uh, made a play, and I thought uh, they were still on the team. Yeah, you forgot. Yeah, I'm just saying, like, I made the, you know, I, I said it as a joke, but I said if a tree falls in the woods and nobody's around, you know, does it make a sound, right? If <laughs> if Davenport leaves the Saints and he ain't dead, nothing, like, do we really care? Like, honestly, like, no no disrespect, but he ain't really do nothing. Like, he didn't do, do nothing. He was He was – he was mostly unavailable, and when he was out there, you didn't even know he was out there. So how can you be upset at something like that? I, I just can't. I just can't. I, I, I would just be sitting up here, like, being fake and phony if I told you, like, I'm just that concerned about him. I, I hope that he resurrects his career, and I hope I'm eating crow. Like, seriously, that, that's the way I feel about Davenport. I hope that I'm eating crow talking about this dude in a couple of years because i want to see him succeed but right now you're bust uh please uh laughing my behind off can't compare the guy to shannon sharp yes you can yes you can yeah yeah you definitely can i look I, it's it's the same pack you know you look at shannon sharp shannon sharp started off as a smaller tight end right just like Jawan johnson smaller had to gain some weight Shannon Sharp. Shannon Sharp was wasn't the best blocker in the world, average blocker, but a really good pass catching tight end. Run really good routes, above average routes. Go back and watch it. Like this, is, look, look. I'm gonna tell you this right now. I I know I look young, but your boy know the game. I'm telling you, man. Go back and watch Shannon Sharp play the game of football, and go and watch Jawan Johnson, and tell me don't and don't watch Prime. Shannon Sharp, watch early in career Shannon Sharp, and you tell me you don't see similarities. Tell me, like, go back and watch early in the day Shannon Sharp. See, we fall in love with the Shannon Sharp running his mouth Shannon Sharp when he was established, when he was already the locker room leader. Go back and watch early Shannon Sharp. Tell me that you don't see no similarities between him and Jawan Johnson. The only thing that you'll probably see as far as like a difference is the speed. Jawan Johnson to me is faster than, than Shannon Shaw. Shannon Shaw wasn't the fastest guy in the world, but I am I'm telling you, they are they basically look virtually alike when, when it comes to like their size and like some of their pass catching ability and what they ask to do and how they come down with the football. Like if you if you just change that high definition to some VHS. 
you think Shannon Sharp was out there? Like put put 84 on on Jawan Johnson, you know what I'm saying? And yeah, you, you what you got? You got yourself uh <laughs> got yourself Shannon Sharp. I'm telling you. TJ, you won't be eating no crow over Davenport. Well, I hope I I hope I do. I, I don't want to hate on a man like that. Uh Andrews Pete is another one with uh injury history. Yeah. And he still just so happened to be around. Uh, I would give D.A. this. Uh, he can find defensive players. Yeah, he can. I mean, we we don't want to admit it, but he did uh, draft Khalil Mack. Now, he did do that. That was, that was what? Was that not his? No, nah, that was his last pick. That was his last first-round pick before he got fired. But, hey, he, he, he got Khalil Mack. So, Jawan Johnson is basically his clone. I, look, and like I said, don't – like. Well, I'm gonna say take my word for it. But if you don't agree, go go and watch it. Go and watch it, and you tell me if them dudes ain't just alike. I mean, it's crazy watching this dude play. Like it's like it's like watching Shannon Sharp play football again. I mean, before Shannon Sharp pretty much figured it out, and he was like a major integral part of the offense. TJ, do you think we can run uh, at Fletcher Cox, Ashawn Robinson, or do you tackle through the draft? Um, I'm I'm drafting. I'm drafting. I'm drafting. Um, I'm drafting, and I'm trying to get the get more bang for my buck, Kent. And I'm trying to bring in some veteran leadership that's not going to cost me an arm and a leg. Fletcher Cox cost your arm and a leg. Ashawn Robinson may not cost your arm and a leg, but it is going to cost you a little bit more because of his age. I am look. I'm looking for. David Ayamada's successor. I'm looking for transcendent. I'm looking for cornerstone. I'm looking for not being a problem for the next five to six years. You know what I'm saying? Me looking. That's that's what I'm looking for. And um, I'm not really against signing guys if it if it makes sense. Like signing Tyron Matthew last year made sense. Getting Jarvis Landry last year made sense, but. You know, if I can, if I know that I can find a guy or, or have a chance of getting an, a really good interior lineman in the draft, I'm not going to exhaust myself and, you know, and just get a guy that's probably going to cost a lot of money to get. I'm, I'm not. Um, what I will do is I'll just try to find that guy in the draft and I'll draft a guy that that still can give me above average effort and um you know some veteran leadership uh first round pick did do a little better but he needs uh yeah it's exceptionally uh, to improve um let's see uh, who are we talking about here i'm sorry i i'm, I'm trying to see who was exceptional because I, I i don't you know I, i'm not sure i'm not sure what we're talking about here uh i like the saints to get younger on the d line but won't do uh, that getting vets near the end of their careers yeah i mean look what i'm what i'm saying is i'm not look i want seasoned veterans but i don't want the veterans unless they're young like if they're like 26 27 i want them to be um, the main reason the like the the like i want them to be the focal point of the team and why their team is successful now if i'm looking at a veteran I'm not looking at that guy to come in to be that impact player, the guy we're looking at, like, man, where he at? 
it, it's more so like he's contributing. I want that young guy. I want the rookie. I want the the 25, 26-year-old guy that's coming to his second team. I want that guy to be the contributor, not the older guy. The older guy, I want him to be able to make some noise and also provide leadership to the young bulls. That that's what I want. If you if you're if you're signing a 30-year-old guy and you're looking for him to produce 10 sacks or I just feel like you're going in the wrong direction. But if a guy comes in, you draft, and he's getting close to 10 sacks or get there, and you have that that veteran that's probably giving you half of that, I'm okay with it. I'm okay with it. Cesar Ruiz. Okay, yeah, Cesar Ruiz, yeah. I mean, life finally came on for him last year. Let's see where it goes. Let's see where it goes. How many draft picks do we have? Uh, now, TJ, we got eight. We got eight draft picks. Facts, we need youth. Uh, how you feel about Michael Thomas deal? I think that's a smart deal. I think that Michael Thomas has to be real with himself. He has not been up and able in the last two and a half years. And the Saints have to protect themselves, right? So you go out there, you play, uh, you, you get yourself another contract. Uh, who knows? You know what I'm saying? You may not get it with the New Orleans Saints. may get it with somebody else. But this is a prove-it deal. It's a smart, it's smart business by Michael Thomas. It's smart business by the Saints. So – um, we don't have to worry about yo know, what Michael Thomas said. Oh, he's he taking his money. He didn't got paid this, that, and the third. He got this and all that. We ain't got to worry about that no more. So if it, if I'm knocking on wood when I say this, if it just so happened he gets injured again or he takes a step back, I mean, no love loss. I mean, no harm, no foul. I'm going to say no love loss, no harm, no foul. So you got to protect yourself. I think it was a smart deal. I think it was smart business on both, you know, both parties. Because any team that Michael Thomas would have went to, they probably would have did the same exact thing. Uh, Ingram done. I don't know what, what what did Ingram do. People saying he down bad for what he did. What, what did Mark Ingram do? Uh, let's see. The Saints down bad for what they did the whole season, not just Mark. I don't I don't know what we're talking about. What exactly did Mark Ingram do? Calais Campbell had five sacks by himself at age thirty six and a D line between three. Has seven, enough said. Exactly. Still got something left in the tank. And I'm going to continue to lobby for Calais Campbell until, you know, he probably has a little victory tour and goes back to Arizona. But, you know, and ain't nothing wrong with that. You know, if he goes back to Arizona, probably going to play one more year with Ty. But I want to see Calais Campbell in New Orleans because I still think he has something to provide. And as long as Calais Campbell is out there on the street, I'm going to continue to the lobby for Calais Campbell. Uh, TJ, your real thoughts about Callaway. If not for Mike T injury, we might never seen him like Shahid. He was dope. And when Traquan declined in the wide receiver role, I believe Callaway still can improve. Um, I like Callaway a lot. I think that he's a talented guy. I think he's a good individual. I think he's a good teammate. He loves playing for New Orleans. But, um, you know, it's too much. it's too much of a mixed bag with him, you know. He'll catch a, a spectacular catch down the field. Then all of a sudden, he's catching an easy pass when he, missing an easy pass when he's wide open. Um, I do think that there's a market for him. I mean, he's young. He's a good possession guy. Um, definitely a guy I feel like <laughs> that fits that mold like a, you know, um, what Sean Payton will want. You know, a guy come in, big possession guy, get on a pretty decent deal. Um, but I think he'll, he'll find a team. Um, don't know exactly uh, – where but i mean 
probably is not going to be with the Saints because, I mean, you can see like his his workload just dropped, dwindled, you know what I'm saying, and just crumbled into a crescendo towards the end. Like it was, uh, yeah, it was bad business. Um, but I think that he's going to find another team to go to, and um, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do for the rest of his career. Him and Deontay Hardy. Uh, I really don't think Mike T looking for money. Uh, he's looking for redemption. Yeah, I mean, he shouldn't be looking for money at this point. I mean, for two and a half years, like you, you, you know, you build up a nice little bit of change. You know what I'm saying? So you should be looking for legacy and, and, and trying to resurrect your career. And I, I mean, look, you were, he was on a war path. He was on a path of to be a Hall of Fame wide receiver. So, you know. I, that'd be the only thing I'd be thinking about if I love football the way I know Michael Thomas does. Calais was more productive than David Mata. I like Campbell as well. Uh, let's see. I hope we use our apex wisely like the 2017 draft. That's what's needed uh, to happen. Address all our needs. Definitely two defensive tackles and one safety. Uh, let's see. I don't know why these guys hate on Michael Thomas so much. Like he has control over his injury. Yeah. I mean, look, and I think, I think this pretty much puts the bed anything about michael thomas that people are saying about he don't want to be here um he don't want to play all these things because look i know you may not believe this but michael thomas could have went somewhere else like he could have went somewhere else somebody would have picked this dude up they would have took a flyer on him and if he was to go somewhere else and perform and put it all together then you would be mad right look the injury guys can be cruel sometimes and they have been cruel to michael thomas they have been but anybody that knows when michael thomas is on the field there's no denying that he's the best wide receiver on the field when he plays. So he still has that. And as long as he has that, guys are going to continue to invest in that. I mean, injuries happen, but when he's on the field, he's pretty doggone good and team's going to want some of that. So I'm pretty sure he had options. I mean, it may not, you know, it may not have been as, you know, much money, but I'm pretty sure he had options to go somewhere else. And he probably, had an opportunity to play with a, a quarterback that can play much better. I'm telling you, like, I don't know, like the Chiefs. Like, I can see Michael Thomas going to the Chiefs. I definitely can see that. Draft a running back or get one of those other uh, running backs that they want to be traded on free agency. I'm ra- I'd rather draft a running back. It's a deep draft for a running back, and you can get a guy that can be every down back in those later rounds. Just facts or sue the Saints medical staff. Man, I talk ish about Michael Thomas being hurt, but I'm glad he's back. Who that? Back again. I think everybody happy about Michael Thomas being back. I am. I'm, I'm glad to see that he, yeah, he's coming back. I think Michael Thomas definitely brings something to the table, but I also think that you need to have an insurance policy. Like, you cannot just say, oh, you know, Michael Thomas back, so we we good at wide receiver. Like, no, no, sir. You, you cannot feel that way. All right, but... I want to say thank you all for checking out the State of the Saints podcast. Really do appreciate it. Uh, shouts out to everybody that uh, contributed in the chat. Uh, shouts out to you, those that are listening or watching this anywhere you are in the world. Thank you so much for choosing the State of the Saints podcast for your listening and viewing pleasure. You can check out previous episodes that are available on YouTube.com. YouTube.com, search the State of the Saints podcast network. We're available on social media at Facebook.com, search the State of the Saints podcast network. Also want to give a special shout out to Belly Up Sports. Uh, it's the new home uh, of the State of Saints podcast. So we joined the 
podcast network uh, a couple of days ago. Extremely excited to be a part of Belly Up Sports. Uh, you can follow them on Twitter under that name. Uh, all you got to do is look up Belly Up Sports. And also, uh, you can check out previous episodes that are available on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, iHeartRadio, Anchor FM, and now on Megaphone FM. So I'm really trying to push Megaphone. So if you uh, can please, like, you know, check out State of Saints podcast by, you know, searching Megaphone FM. I really appreciate it. Just just definitely trying to uh, work on that platform. Also, uh, you know, uh, I didn't realize this. You know, we, we're also a part of TuneIn. I forgot that I actually, you know, <laughs> loaded that onto there. But TuneIn has joined uh, the State of the Saints podcast or the State of the Saints podcast has joined TuneIn. Um, also, uh, you can check out uh, me on Twitter. If you want to interact with me, you can do so by going to Twitter and follow me at TJAY Jones 8. Till next time, all I got to say is, who that?